0: Day Thursday, April 25th, 2002, Lisa Nicole Lopez, the dynamic rapper of the group TLC was killed in a car accident at the age of 30. Lisa was one of the first rappers to be a part of a singing group. The charismatic rappers Sharp Tongue and Witty Rhymes helped launch TLC to sell over 75 million records worldwide.
1: I
2: and we're here we are this is special this i'm excited is about this real one. special um i'm okay, getting close I say that to that every mic. time i'm excited about this one me too because i'm getting close to the mic on this one um so what can i say about lisa nicole lopez
3: there's a lot to say about her. There is. <laughs> and actually, we're gonna, to we're gonna get
2: to it. You're right. I guess um, what I um I guess what I could say about Lisa is that um well you know what? I'll go into the quote first. Oh yay, quotes are my favorite. We'll go into our quote, and our quote is from a French novelist named Emile Zola. Oh and Emile Zola once said that if you ask me what I came to do in this world. I, an artist, will answer you, I'm here to live out loud, like you, Michelle. And Lisa Nicole Lopez lived and died by that creed. Oh, she really did. You know, know, she once remarked that TLC sold many records, but record sales weren't the idea of success in her eyes. Mm -hmm. What was important to her was to take her experiences and knowledge that she had and share it with the world, which is what we're going to do today about for her. Mm-hmm. Or heard about her mm-hmm. um, because I think that there was so mis so many
3: misnomers about Lisa. I think she was definitely very misunderstood because the more right. I've got to know her story, right? I have, I, I just because I you know I knew her as you know in TLC and mm-hmm. you know knew some of the crazy stories that we'll get into, right? But then I saw her as a totally different person. Getting to know about her more which mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of big tlc fans will know but for anybody who doesn't know it's i mean she's was she pretty crazy? fascinating person was she crazy i really don't think she was exactly she wasn't i, was I she feel she a wild she, child no no i feel she was a deeply spiritual person i really exactly. do and i mean i've i mean was she wacky yeah but most artists are totally i, I don't think know most very, people are yeah, I feel most people are super <laughs> wacky and they just don't let their, their freak flag fly as high as it should. Exactly. But some allow it more. She let her. I feel she allowed it. She. Well, you know, uh, Tupac, who we'll
2: talk about um, with her, but Tupac always gave her the best advice. And I think Tupac's advice to her, which she talked about, was to be 100% real. And that's one thing and she was. she was. She was. She, you know... When I researched her, you know, I just, I'm excited about this for many reasons. One, I'm excited because TLC were like my Wonder Girls, you Mm -hmm. know, growing up. I love TLC and we're all probably in the same age group, but they just were
3: so ahead of their time. Like you were saying that Ben was saying. Um, Well, they were all about like, you know, being strong women and yeah, they... I mean, they were all very outspoken, especially right. Lisa Loba. Especially
2: Lisa. <laughs> but they were always about, like, safe sex. Yeah, always. Um, you know, owning your power. Mm-hmm. And they danced and they wore baggy clothes, hip hop. But that resonated with and everybody. And they said
3: stuff, too. They actually said things in their lyrics that lyrical, mattered. Yes. And timely things. And and risky things, too. Totally. Their lyrical
2: content was off the chart. I mean, you know, they inspired a lot of girl groups. I mean, girl groups <laughs> to come out after that, like Destiny's mm-hmm. Child. So many, and they're I mean, still the
3: highest selling girl group exactly. of all time.
2: Of all time. Exactly. That's what all that led to, mm-hmm. um, and I think that um, one thing I love about Lisa is that she was born on my grandmother's birthday. Oh, that's pretty special she i that's when I just I was like, yes, I knew why we had to get to her, mm-hmm. and it's funny how we after doing those dudes that we've done mm-hmm. in the last few, which is fine we've enjoyed the guys the Jim Morrisons the Elliot Smith, and Sam Cooke, but we needed to get to the girls, and mm-hmm. she was a perfect
3: segue, oh yeah, I think so for and her story is it's Fascinating. remarkable and odd and really incredible yeah. tragic i mean like all completely. of them are tragic
2: completely because you know it's funny when you see them perform and i've seen them before i remember watching them perform getting up dancing at the same time they danced and i just so cute I think they just came through do. with so much magic and like you know how one time you and you were telling me i remember this like we were talking about how much we enjoyed doing the podcast mm-hmm. and how when we like the way we interact like nobody else can replicate that and I think that was the beauty about TLC. No one else could replicate. Yeah, they could have the most amazing voice, you know, have a rapper, but nobody replicated. But there was
3: nothing like that. that th- I mean, there's still nothing like that. Like there's right. not. There was there was other was bands magic that tried bottle. to emulate it. Right, but there wasn't. A, there they never come close. Wasn't another TLC. No. And they were also they were so unique. All of them were so beautiful, and they, they just, were authentic, mm-hmm. which is what our theme song is. You know, not our
2: theme song, but our theme. Not song, but our definitely our theme of the podcast is
3: authenticity. It definitely is. And we didn't even intend that. We seriously, it's just every artist that I we know. we decide to talk about they lived it's in their all, truth. Yeah. And that is the one that crosses genres, age, gender, um, gender, era, race, race. Yeah. Everything. The one thing that every artist, these phenomenal artists have had in common is mm-hmm. their authenticity
2: yeah at least I had a hard road I mean I think all of them have a hard road to get to that point of self-love it's a hard road she
3: she it took her I mean who knows if anyone fully um I don't know but maybe when she embraced it
2: yeah you know what I mean but I was gonna say she
3: had conviction from a very young age though like Mm -hmm. she was very very clear of the success that she wanted. She seemed quite clear in how she wanted to be. Like right. it seemed like she was destined for the yeah. fame she had. She was very and much knew on her it. path. Yeah. And
2: she wasn't going to be, um, she wasn't going to be, uh, I don't know if the right word is veered or, she wasn't going to be sidetracked off mm-hmm. of it in any way. She she just went, her essence went lowered to be that way. So I guess we should just get right to mm-hmm. it. We should get right to it. You know, I mean, um, it's funny. Someone listened to one of our podcasts this week at work, and they were like, you know, like uh, to talk more about like what all of these artists have. And, you know, I think that all of these artists have what I call the CPR method. Mm-hmm. They're all charismatic and confident, persistent and passionate. They're risk-taking rebels. They all embody all of those um you know, all of those uh, characteristics. And Mm -hmm. that's for Peter, because Peter was saying that to me. So anyway, let's get to Lisa. So Lisa, you know, Nicole Lopez was born on May 27th, 1971 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. to her dad, Ronald Sr. and Wanda. Um, Her dad was a army staff sergeant. And her mother was a seamstress. Um, they moved around quite a lot because she was an army brat. Mm-hmm. Um, she came, but she came from a very artistic and musical heritage. Yeah, know. it was all on her dad's side, right? That they it were was. all super musical and completely, completely. I mean, her her maternal grandmother, though, on her dad, yeah. her mom's side, was Jose who and Dino, who was like a furniture design and artist. But like you were saying, on her dad's side, her uh grandpa was a saxophone player. Couldn't
3: he play every it was it her grandpa or dad that could play? No, it was her could every, play every right. instrument. Her dad could play every instrument. Wow.
2: He I mean he that must was have been that fun
3: t- to be at that house. Well <laughs> Well not
2: for, really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> it was kind of like a Joe Jackson type of feel when we get to it. Yeah, I right know, no, I
3: realize we get a little uh, more into it. The idea is one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but um, you know, her 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 grandpa was Chick Cheneyfield, who was in a band called The Counts of Rhythm. And they played at like the Cotton Cotton Club and we'll probably find that out more in the bumpers mm-hmm. that Gabby will read. Um and her dad, like you said, he was an amateur musician and he played in the army band. Mm-hmm. Um that's the crazy thing about him, and maybe that's what made him so crazy. I mean, yeah. she was like the oldest of three kids because they had kids. She was had a younger sister and a brother, and she was very musically talented, kind of like her dad from a young mm-hmm. age. She could sit down and play by ear the piano, um, and she loved to draw, and she knew how to sew. You know, mm-hmm. oh, she was like Super you. talented. You knew how to
3: draw and do all this? Fun I don't stuff. know how to draw. <laughs> I just want to put. I mean, I'll take the credit, but I don't. I, I'm very crafty. I can sew and do all this, but I'm. Not, I can't. I, I, I can't was not sew. gifted
2: with the drawing. Ability. So you're a craftsman,
3: craftsman
2: girl like her. Um,
3: um, but she lived in a very volatile home. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think? Just this is a question. Yeah. Do you think it? Because it wasn't. Hasn't been entirely clear. I Mean maybe I should ask this a little further along. Maybe I'll wait. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking you know, do you think her dad could have possibly suffered from PTSD at all?
2: You know what, that's a good question. Um that is actually a very good question. Depending on I don't what know if his he was deployment, in war. yeah. I know. So that's
3: why, because I know he's in the uh, army, and then yeah. listening to her story and listening to how his behavior was—he was, was an like, alcoholic, I know, and he was, yeah, he could and that's be abusive. A, mm-hmm, that's often people. Yeah, that you're have right. PTSD. It could be symptomatic
2: of something else. Doesn't There's make no it right, but, but yeah,
1: it's. It sounds like it. It could yeah, be, that's,
2: that makes total sense. It could be, maybe and at we're that time, words too, in his people, mouth. But it was 1971. Yeah, I don't know if he was in a Vietnam. If he went to the Vietnam War, yeah. I mean, maybe we'd have to ask her sister. Or, I, mean, I know
3: or, I'm veering off a little bit. I just no, started, I think I, that's I was that's wondering a that because I was
2: like, because when you see when yeah. she talks about it, I mean, you know, I mean, she would talk about one instance in particular in which her parents were arguing. And her mother tempted to leave the apartment. And she he had his face in her mom's face. And she was trying to, the mom mm-hmm. was pushing his face out of her face. And he bit her fingers. So the kids are looking uh. at him bite, you know, her mom's fingers. Oh, and when he so finally lovely. allowed her to leave, you know, she asked Lisa and the siblings, you know, her, her brother and sister and is like, look, if you guys are coming, let's go. You know, you need mm-hmm. to come on, let's go. And Lisa and her brother, she said her and her brother sat frozen you know and courageously her little sister jumped up to go and lisa said that her dad uh pushed her back down in the spot right there on the couch and for the rest of the night the mom left of course but for the rest of the night they sat in the corner terrified that he was going to kill them and he was lying on the couch with a butcher knife on his chest Oh, and it's like, those were like, yeah, That's traumatic insane. instances that were just nonstop until her parents divorced. And how old was she at that point? She was a little, little kid. Um, She was little. She was very. I mean,
3: that stuff. Because they
2: stayed together until she was like 12. Yeah, because they were married
3: 12 years. Yeah,
2: so there's no telling. And I read somewhere that they divorced, they married and divorced each other twice.
3: I don't know if that's true, but. But um, that's fairly common, though, with um, domestic abuse that people go back to their abusers like it's very hard and they had children too and it
2: replicated itself in her life in so mm-hmm. many ways oh we, yeah we, we and see. again yes. when you're about
3: history repeating itself yes definitely. and
2: she remarked about that I maybe mean, she in a self-reflective
3: way she remarked about that maybe um, all this uh, trauma early on too could have led her to her extreme completely. spirituality she completely. was always searching, you know, as we'll find out.
2: Completely. And it led her to being like she had no problem getting up leaving because mm-hmm. she was the armory brat, kind of yeah, like Jim yeah. Morrison. They don't have they don't mind moving around. That's what they knew as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like she lived everywhere with her parents. Um, But, yeah, those traumatic instances shaped her and she was able to reflect on them. Um, even in her um, last days of Left Eye, she talked Uh about how he was like a drill sergeant. They'd be sleeping, and he'd get them scream at them in the middle of the night. Yeah, that story was nuts. Yeah. Get up and, you know, see that pen, and you stepped over the pen. I mean, crazy stuff, but...
3: And she's saying it all while she was, like, kind of laughing about it. I know, (laughs) because even
2: I kind of giggled, you know what I mean? Because it was like the way she recounted the story, um, but it was, like, serious business. Um, And... Just crazy how mm-hmm. parents don't know when they, they. But, but
3: they guess but they, did the, they, parents, think they think did the best that they could. I think also parents. I think people forget, and this is not excusing that. Totally, too, that's totally. that's incredibly dramatic and traumatic behavior. But not but and an mm-hmm. and. and. Mm-hmm. Parents are humans. Humans Completely. are flawed. Many humans are fucked Completely. up. And Completely. Completely. It's just a, you, I don't. You don't always come with an owner's manual. Totally. So they did. The and I'm best not. And could. I am not excusing anything by any right. means. I'm just saying it's right. like th- the whole situation's. Really I agree awful. with you.
2: I agree with you because, like I said, I've repeated it like a million times. i have probably not again. But I guess people do the best they with of uh, what. You know what? I saw something on Oprah.
3: All right, my friend. Oh, girl, girl. when you're listening. When she was on Super
2: Soul Sunday, (laughs) and she interviewed, right? She was on Super Soul Sessions. (laughs) She knows that she's your friend, Super Soul (laughs) Sessions, and she was interviewing TD Jakes. He's a reverend, Mm -hmm. TD Jakes, and he says that people sometimes, you know, when it comes to love, and people are like, "What do you do when you have family members and Mm -hmm. all that?" You know, they keep repeating the same. You know, toxic behavior, yada yada. He said, Look, they're doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. All they, you have a gallon size worth of love, and they maybe Mm -hmm. have a pint size type of love. Mm -hmm. And that's all they got to give you is a pint size. And you got a gallon size of love. (sighs) Anyway, the whole family (laughs) (laughs) split up for a bit during her teen years, and she lived with her paternal grandmother, Nana, Mm -hmm. who gave her a hard time, as you know, And that she said that it was like mommy dearest. Yeah, she
3: sounded scary. Yeah, Nana
2: played with her head, you know. She was always on punishment. And this is the heartbreaking thing, God. When her dad would visit on the weekends, he would bring a case of beer for him and Lisa to drink. At 5th.
3: Freaking teen. She oh was my fifteen. God. But of course too, as a kid, you <sighs> wanna have at any point you probably you want to have a relationship with someone. Completely. So of course you're like, we're bonding. Yeah. And so that's well, he that's, should know better. you should not do that with a kid. That's not fifteen. Be, and she
2: said he'd be like, look at her go. You know what I mean? Drinking with her like that. And she said that, of course, like you said, it was a way for her to get attention from her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but she ran away from home many times, so I know it got to her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, she would later say to Rolling Stone that the amount of change that she went through would probably drive a normal person nuts, and yeah. I believe her because I would have went insane too.
3: I mean, her you know, story is pretty nuts. Like it, it is. is,
2: it is. I mean, she couldn't take it anymore. She when she was when she turned seventeen, she took the 750 bucks that she earned from a music video and a keyboard and moved to Atlanta with a boyfriend at the time. And, um, you know, shortly after moving to Atlanta, she joined a group called Second Nature with uh, Teon Watkins, T-Boz, <laughs> and Crystal Jones. And I can say that here's the deal. This is going to go fast-paced, I know, because Crystal was the one who came up with the idea with her manager Ian Burke and said, you know, Mm. we should start a girl group. And Ian thought, you know, that's a great idea. And he was friends with this guy named Rico Wade, who's in the bumper. Rico Wade is a part of this
0: amazing production team called Organized Noise. t Boss's good friend Rico Wade, who helped formulate TLC, is a member of Organized Noise, an American hip-hop R&B production team from Atlanta, Georgia. Among the hit records they have worked on include TLC's Waterfalls, In Vogue's Don't Let Go, and Ludacris's Saturday. They are most notable for producing a large amount of material for OutKast, including all of Southern Playalistic Cadillac music and So Fresh, So Clean from Stankonia and Goody Mob. In an interview with Billboard, Big Boy of OutKast explained that organized noise helped them early on in the music business, saying... They were our big brothers, and they did a production deal with LaFace Records. They were the ones that gave us our first shot, and we've been doing music with them since the beginning.
2: There's a great Netflix documentary on them, but they—he Rico produced for this for Outcast. Everybody oh, wow. you can think of, and I love Outcast. Um, it's a powerhouse production team, but the idea appealed to Ian and Rico, and so. Um, and they thought, you know, it'd be good to have a girl version of Belle Biv DeVoe mm. with Crystal. And so, second nature, they they got, they recruited Tion, and then they recruited Lisa. Um, and Tion would later say in her book, which is a great read, I'm going to tell everybody about the name of the book later because I read it. Um, she would later say that her and Lisa got along like gangbusters from the kiddie oh, Yeah, they get along like gangbusters. Oh, that's awesome. So Second Nature recorded a demo for Jermaine Dupri, who's another powerhouse producer. Um, And he dated Janet Jackson for a lot of years, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was just saying that, but I just thought that. (laughs) Um, The demo was never released, but it was used as like a calling card Mm -hmm. for um, record companies. Um, And the great thing about Jermaine is at this point, he inadvertently made a pivotal contribution to... Second nature, which would go on to be TLC, and he when Tion was T boz was singing, he said, "You know what? You need to like sing in the lower register.
3: That really oh, does. Yeah, yeah.
2: That really does you well. Mm-hmm. You need to do that." And she suggested that she sing that way, and that became mm-hmm. her signature sound. Yeah,
3: because that totally is her sound.
2: You... It totally is. So this was all like in the late eighties. It was like in the. You know what? It was nineteen ninety. It was. It was 1990. Oh. Things happened. Oh yeah, fast. it
3: happened fast. That's true. Super it was fast. Like next minute, they were Boom. doing music videos and all that stuff. Completely yeah.
2: because so what had what had happened was Pebbles, you know, a successful recording artist in home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who happened to be married to L. A. Reid, and people don't know he's a co-owner of, L- of Face Records with Babyface. Mm-hmm. Heard about the group, so Pebbles met them, liked them. And she hooked them up with an audition with her husband, L.A. Reid, at the time. L.A. Reid liked them. Pebbles um, paid, uh, you know, Ian out of his management deal and kind of signed them to her management company, Pebitone. And this is all going to be important, Mm -hmm. Pebitone, signing them to her management team, management deal, Pebitone. And they, um, you know, Lisa was only 19, by the way like she was 19 um and you know pebbles renamed them or gave them the suggestion to rename them tlc so t is for t Boss, l is for left eye and c is for crystal and so lisa would give many versions about how she gave her got her nickname left eye but i did read in a few places that she got it from michael bivens Oh, really? A New Edition and Belle Biv Bell, DeVoe that Michael Bivins told her, I guess he was remarking, he's like, your little left eye is beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know... It's it's sad, but you know it's funny. I thought it was great, and so that's how she. But she, she got also left had eye.
3: really her eyes. Like she has. She even talked about. Know, she's almost her like eyes. a Japanese anime character. She is like she has these huge eyes, and she even talked about that. How when she was a baby, that she was just like yes, like an alien. Baby. Yeah, and yeah. she she's really had her eyes really. So it's interesting that her name was from her eyes. I know. Is
2: that's a good point. Dang, you're just full of ideas. You're a real ideas girl tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. Now, this is where you're going to really come into. I want your your recording uh, acumen to come into play. Because the group at this young age signed a contract with Pebbles without a lawyer. And Crystal would say years later that she <laughs> told to Pebbles at the time of signing that she wanted to let her mom review the contract. I saw mm-hmm. an interview years later okay. before she signed it. Pebbles said no. Mm-hmm. Now, from T-Boz's book, T-Boz's book said, from the jump, Pebbles didn't like Crystal. And according to T-Boz, Pebbles said that Crystal was lacking, and I got air quotes right there, and and wanted her out of the group. So T-Boz, um, you know... You know, T-Boss said that Pebbles said that if you, you know, they were like, well, then you, you should tell her. You know what I mean? We like mm-hmm. Crystal, so you should tell her, Pebbles. And according to them, Pebbles said, according to T-Boss, Pebbles said if you don't get rid of Crystal, all of you are out. So no. here we go, T-Boss and Lisa. Now these are young teenage girls. Yeah. They go to Crystal's house, and Lisa said to her, "Girl." We got some good news, Tammy.
3: You laughing? <laughs> oh, we have to we, introduce our guest oh, today. Oh yeah, yes, we got a guest in
2: the house. Miss Tamala Plain, who is like my ch- Well, my I shouldn't say my childhood friend because you know I'm I'm older, way older than Tammy. But I've been knowing Tammy a long time. I love her. I love her Thank sister, you. Tasha. And now Michelle
3: loves you. That's I was just about to say that because I was like, yeah, it's taken us two hours to start the podcast because we were talking about so many stories. I know. So, and I just it's wanted to like, I'm like
2: so Tammy's <laughs> a great Tammy's a great writer and blogger. Oh What's
1: God. the name of your blog, Tam? It's gotta press play now.
2: Such oh, a nice. good name. That's a good
3: name. Music. Gotta press And it's all now. about music too, so it's a perfect yeah. fit to go read that and new soon, artists. And there will, there is going to be a podcast soon too, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll oh be keeping that when that happens. Yes, yeah. yeah, We'll, do a, on we'll you, do a too. crossover. Yeah. No
2: pressure, Tammy. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so um I know because Gabby's not here. I know, we don't have gabs. Our, our TLC, our C is in here. <laughs> our, chili, our chili. Well, actually, I'm the chili. You know, you would be more like, well, um, actually, I'm more like Lisa because I'm the fiery one. You're more like T Boz. You're cool. Gabby's more I'm cool. like. Oh, wow. She, you are. And Gabby <laughs> was more, It is more, Gabby's out, by the way. But Gabby's more like Chili. She's like the happy go lucky mm. Sweetie Pie on the side. But we got Tammy here. She's Hello. like Chili for the night. Anyway, <laughs> so they go. Lisa says to her, Girl, we got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that Pebbles wants to sign us. <laughs> But the bad news (laughs) is that you're not in the group anymore. That is so terrible. Tima started. She said she busted out laughing because she's like, "Girl, you can't say all that." That's terrible. I know. I I, and and to Crystal's credit. She took it very well. Wow. So much so. In fact, t Boss said when they were at the door about to like, when they banged on the door, you know, ring the doorbell, mm-hmm. she looked at left, left, eyes, looked at Lisa, can you fight? Because she might be wanting to fight us actually going in with this news. But
3: I mean, there kind of must have been, because I feel when you get any news like that, like any breakup, band breakup or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't there, don't you know what's coming
0: to degree? But what would you, you know? do?
3: You're at the cross, the, the, like the beginning. Kidding of it and they come to your house Michelle. i mean it's very upsetting but it's just i like, would be devastated she has to, to know yeah she had to feel something she that's what i'm saying oh, she, she took it if well.
2: was she wanted them to leave but i'm sure she mm. felt hurt i would have told the her damn house like we would have been like it would have been some serious business up in there i mean <laughs> there's price to pay for stuff i mean <laughs> i think they paid a price at the end i mean mm-hmm. they paid a price it was serious sorry
1: the other christian fight
2: I know, right? She took it very well, better than a lot of people. I mean, Mm -hmm. Crystal would say that the reason that she was asked to leave was because she questioned the contract. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so uh, they immediately started auditioning for a new member, and they found Rosanda. And Lisa is the one who kind of suggested the nickname Chili to fit the Mm C, And they signed with LaFace. And I want to say that... Ironically, on the night that the group celebrated getting a record deal, Lisa learned that her dad was murdered during her drunken
3: argument. Oh, that's so crazy. Her life was so tragic. Yeah. Even with all the success, it was That's crazy. I yeah. didn't know
2: that. Yeah. Her dad was killed in a during a you know, a drunken argument. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but the amazing thing, I know it's not amazing that her dad died, it's awful, completely awful, but they signed with Love the and they immediately started going into the studio and they worked with all these mega producers like mm-hmm. Dallas Austin, L.A. Reed, Babyface. Uh, Jermaine Dupri, and they worked on Ooh on the TLC tip. That's mm-hmm. when they did their first album. And the fun time, this was the fun times for them. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning. And that, you know, T-Bods would talk about, they would have these epic food fights with Dallas Austin. And they had a lot of fun. And they rehearsed all the time. You know, Pebbles would make them rehearse nonstop, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was awesome. And, you know, right away, their album dropped February 1992. Boom. That happened so fast. Completely. Within two years, by the time of moving to Atlanta, within two years,
3: she was already... And we didn't really mention when she was younger, like, she did talk about how, like, she danced, she modeled, she... She was in every talent show. She did everything. And she, she just said as long as she was still... Did she say creative or still in the game? I can't remember what mm-hmm. word. But it was something like as long as she was doing something. And yeah. she did everything. And she has all these, like, little videos. Of she her. has so much charisma and then one of, Yeah. And, and confidence. one of the videos, she said, she's like, yeah, you know, remember me in 10 years. Remember this video. Yeah. Like, she was just she so, I loved it. Like She, she was, she was just a talent knew.
2: show. And she was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to be, you know, she knew she was going to make it.
3: And, she, and like how. to have all this happen at 19 is pretty nuts. 1920. They but were again, this goes back to all the people we've yeah. talked about. It's yeah. almost like they're, they knew that their life was going to be cut short. Because everyone we've talked about has mm. accomplished these amazing things very mm. early on. Mm. And, I mean, nobody yet has lived past 34. I know. Oh Yeah.
2: Damn, that's true. Yeah.
3: But it's like they except all except for knew. Gary and well, boy, Gary,
2: but what he pay a daggone price, boy. but also in Gary, Gary's he looks like, amazing, too. Cat. We're gonna put that, yeah, we gotta put that has up nine on the lives, Instagram. like that's yeah. he, Woo. he sure did. Charlie Manson and all, dang, yeah.
3: So, okay, well, he defies anyway. that, and he, which is great, and <laughs> yes, but you're right. But it's Sam like was there was a destiny to 33, 34, 34 27, she's 30. 30. Yeah. Oh yeah, 27, 27 and 30. 27 30. Yeah. All wow. like the oldest was Elliot at the young age of 34. Yes, God. He was
2: the oldest. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, wow. Uh, um but anyway, you know, um so the album dropped. It sells right away, right out the box because people love them like me and would watch everything that they're on. The record company sent them immediately on tour. Wow. Okay. And their videos were so um,
3: colorful. Yeah, really colorful. That's the part energetic. that really... Because the thing is, I think because I watched a whole bunch of videos today yeah. and... I was like, cause you do associate, I know I associate early nineties cause I grew up so close to Seattle as like, it was like dark and grunge and stuff. And they were all, they were so light and total opposite. Oh, and they smiling and jumping and-, and giving all these like mm-hmm. great messages. Yeah. yeah. And, and great messages mm-hmm. for young yeah. women too. And it's just, I think
1: you'll find a lot of women in my age group. Mm-hmm will say they don't know exactly the moment, but I can tell... I, I can guarantee that TLC have more to do with it than they realize. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. TLC and I do, did. I do mm-hmm. believe that. It's, I'm not just BSing it. It's just, there's something about that first album that just mm-hmm. resonated with me. I don't listen to music over unless I really like I it. I just
2: remember the videos, because you can watch the, the videos, videos any, any anytime. time. I mean, mm-hmm. ain't too girl, proud to beg. Just, I mean, that was it great. Like you
1: said, it was colorful. Mm-hmm. It was it was something different. I, and I remember being like at my sister's apartment, just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, who are these girls and can I be like them? That's and, so
3: awesome. And, and I mean, just remember being in her apartment. Then they've done their job.
1: Then they've yeah. done like, their job.
2: In an attempt to keep control, Pebbles started, she sent a handler, oh, this is good, sent a handler named Jocelyn out on the road with the girls when they went on tour with MC Hammer. And if they misbehaved or cursed, Jocelyn would tell Pebbles and she would dock their already low paycheck for the week.
3: What? Oh, I'd be in trouble. Oh, yeah,
2: goodness. I know. Oh, they were. Really they way. started losing trust in Pebbles kinda of during that. They started losing trouble. Uh, that seems trust.
3: really, really yeah. Like how could you even do they're a band. Right. And like, they weren't being paid. All the time. They would always
2: have to wonder, like, when am I going to see some money? When am I going to see the money? And she would tell them, you know, this according to um, T-Boz's book again. She would say that the label has to recoup all of the expenses first, as you would know how that Mm -hmm. works, you and Tammy. And T-Boz said that she and Lisa didn't have food one time. This is a sad story. So one time they called Pebbles and asked her for $5 a piece to buy food. And instead of giving them cash, she had an assistant take them to the store and buy them exactly five dollars worth of food apiece. What? And, and they're they were super always successful I
3: can't even that's that doesn't even make any sense.
1: As a human being, and you're
2: supposed to be my friends, right? I would at least give $10. <laughs> <laughs> you ten dollars. What you You go go rich. Give them ten. I'm Don't saying, give. I dollars
1: okay. On my budget <laughs> is ten dollars. But That's disturbing. I
2: know. Uh, to keep the peace, when the album went platinum, she bought them each a car as a gift. But they have been asking for the the contract. That's like, like Cadillac Records. Really we well, well, we're gonna to get to that, right? We're gonna to get to that as a as a uh as a show, right? That's the No, oh, yeah, order. no, I
3: just think just getting a car and being like you're fine, even though everybody else has yes, a of of dollars. Wow,
2: yeah, we gotta to get to that show. But anyway, um finally their lawyer got a hold of the contract and okay, here we go. Pebbles, pebatone, remember the management company, mm-hmm. Laface. And Arista, were all getting a cut. In addition, the girls had to pay legal, accounting, and management fees split three ways, Mm -hmm. as well as taxes. Plus, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, they had their own living expenses. This is before the whole bankruptcy and all that came Mm -hmm. along. They had to pay their own living expenses, housing, gas, electric bills. And to add insult to injury, injury, they found out that they actually paid for those cars that they got as a gift.
3: Oh, that's... They the have gifts. Yeah, no, that's... it's. I think that still happens today. is that sad? Yeah, it's... Uh,
2: kids, don't do it. Get yourself a
3: lawyer. Oh, getting a good I, lawyer is one of your first things. I yeah. feel that's... That is... I mean, all my bad decisions have been from lack of reading contracts. Yeah, various contracts. But... <laughs> it, may, it may add
1: up, but have a good lawyer on mm-hmm. your Yeah.
2: No, it does. I mean, they did... And they met with L.A. Reid and told him they didn't want to be
0: managed by Pebbles anymore. L.A. Reid started his music career as a drummer for a Cincinnati funk rock band. Eventually, Reid would have mainstream success when he became a member of the 1980s R&B band The Deal, best known for their 1988 hit, Two Occasions. After The Deal disbanded, Reid and bandmate Kenneth Babyface Edmonds founded LaFace in 1989 through a joint venture with Arista Records with funding from Arista Records creator Clive Davis. The label soon became home to multi-platinum selling artists such as Usher, Bobby Brown, TLC, Tony Braxton and OutKast. It quickly established itself as one of the premier destinations for popular African-American entertainers who created black pop music that was easily accessible to both urban and top 40 radio formats. It is also the home of So So Deaf Recordings, a label founded by Jermaine Dupri in the mid-1990s that signed acts such as Debrat, Jagged Edge, and Escape. The success of LeFace in So So Deaf led to Atlanta as an established music scene for record labels, such as LeFace parent company Arista Records, to set up satellite offices. They ended up having
2: to pay Pebbles $3 million, $3 million for their name, $1 million for each letter. That's- and they, mind you, they weren't completely rid of her wow. because they were still signed with Pepitone through her record label. Oh, that's insane. So with all of this stardom, you know, the stardom kind of brought about like a drinking problem mm-hmm. for Lisa because you can imagine, I mean, I would have probably had a drinking problem. I mean, <laughs> that's still questionable now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, with that much of stardom, they mm. were partying, having a good time, like everybody. Justin Bieber, you see it. Everywhere. Also they're
3: young people. They're young, young people ladies. forget. Yeah. When all you know, every single star, right. it seems like when they were young, they they're go kids. through that crazy time. Of course, but regular people go through that crazy time. Imagine having Completely. money and when fame they go to college, when people and, go to
2: college, they go through yeah, a wild, and they're allowed to be crazy. But yeah. as soon
3: as someone's famous, it's like oh. But also, oh. you have to think these kids are often bankrolling everyone around them mm-hmm. too. Uh, often, they're bankrolling mm-hmm. their parents, and right. so That's you very have a whole true. bunch of yes people around you. Right, it's everyone is sort of. They want to feel Can feed you imagine when that? you're 19, you want
2: to go to the the coolest clubs? When every city that you go to, mm-hmm. you're you're touring. It's the hottest tour on the planet. Yeah. Everybody's partying. I mean, no, it complete, least, it's not weird. It completely no, it's it's makes sense. You know, you can you know, you're right. Because you know, it's Lisa would say later on that when she got dealt with alcohol, you know, she was just a different person. She said that It's a different person from Lisa, and they all called her Nikki. Oh
3: yeah, that's when Nikki Nikki would show up,
2: (laughs) and then she said Nikki and Lisa would start to battle it out. Um, Tammy, I'm I'm sure got a few stories on me, but never mind. (laughs) Um, When these two started to battle it out, she said she created a third person to come in and straighten the two of them out, and that was me. That's
3: so wacky. When I heard that, evil
2: twin. See, I mean, yeah, I blame some my interesting... sins on her. Because t Boss said she liked to get drunk and she'd just take off her clothes and get naked and walk, <laughs> and just go,
3: hey. Well, you she know. had also said when she was a little kid, didn't she say that when they said, when you grow up, what do you want to be? And she wanted to be in nature. Yes, naked. and naked among the among, forest. Among the forest and the animals. Yes, she
2: did. Yes, she did. That was heaven to her.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So maybe that's where her spirit is now. Um... Right after their first album came out in 1992, she started dating an NFL player Andre Risen, who played for the Atlanta Falcons at the time. He was a big time star, I know, because my uncle is an Atlanta Falcons fan and they do the Dirty Bird. Everybody knows who's an Atlanta Falcon. um, They lived together off and on for years, but they had a very volatile relationship filled with love and drama and, all of this kind of culminated to June 9th, 1994. Now, I got to say before we go into it is that I love the behind the music um so I'm just going to go into it. I'm not I'm, even going to say before we go into it But I'll, I'll weave it in. So, on June 9th, 1994, according to Lisa, she and Andre have been arguing, you know, since the night before. Uh-huh. And they just decide to each go out clubbing with their respective friends. So Lisa came home, Andre was there. They, they were still kind of battling it out. She came home and saw a stack of sneakers uh,
3: and none of them were for her. But should before we say that she had yeah. recently caught him in bed with another woman? Yes that's Cause, brilliant like, yeah because she's brilliant. she's pretty there's a lot raw to, yeah. she's yeah, still she's raw, raw yeah cause because she, he cheated he che- cheated, cheated and he was super possessive of her so extremely very yeah. jealous yeah but then he's possessive. the one that goes and cheats which is right
2: well maybe that's why yeah know probably I mean? because so, he's like oh I gotta yeah, keep my yeah, hand. yeah exactly you're right she did come home and catch him with another woman. And that must have been devastating for a yeah. young girl. Um I'm just you know, saying this probably fueled. It definitely fueled the whole situation. Yeah. And and you know what? Before that, there was an assault. Like they had started mm-hmm. arguing in a, a grocery store. And like there was assault charges. He said he didn't do it. And so there was... Uh, but they
3: both had a very volatile... Extremely. And, and you extremely. know, he was about this 12 times dad. as tall as her.
2: Yeah, and this <laughs> like, feeds into her... And he was stronger than her because he was a football he, player. But this is... You see pictures of She's them. This is him. This is yeah. her. She's a little it's, petite thing. Yeah. And he was, um, you know, just kind of played into her childhood.
3: Oh yeah, this was this was the yeah this was the history repeating itself. Yeah. So anyway, back to that night. I just wanted to say there was reason for her. There was a little more reason. Yes, there was some rawness
2: going on, and she had. You're right. It all culminated into this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So she wasn't crazy, um, because he had his moments too. Mm -hmm. Um, So what she so Andre? She became angry when she saw all those sneakers and saw that she you know didn't get any sneakers. And she wrote a letter. This is interesting. She wrote a letter in red lipstick all around the room. I don't, I, I, she didn't rezeal, reveal what was in the letter mm-hmm. to T-Boz. Um, but she took all of those Nike shoes... Put mm. them in the bathtub and lit them on fire. And I learned that in a fit of anger, she she had previously set some stuff like mm. set some stuffed animals on fire in the bathtub, but it it didn't blow up like it did now. But so that's why he had to replace that bathtub with mm. a
3: plexiglass uh, bathtub. Yeah, you do you kind of think if you're going to burn flammable. stuff that it would be oh safe in a bathtub? Right. And I mean, I've burned stuff not in a pyro way, in like right. a Cathartic, I what? need to burn this way. I've burnt you burnt bent clothes.
2: No, 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 no. But
3: I've burnt I've burnt written things and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or cards or something. No. Right. Now I'm sounding wacky. You're doing you see, it for energy. Yeah, and I've burnt it in the sink. I've burnt mm-hmm. and so because I would think that was safe. When I when I heard the story, I'm like I can kind of see her rationale, Because she
2: thought it was going to do like those stuffed animals. Yeah, I mean, it's, not yeah, do anything.
3: maybe let's not burn things, everybody. Right, but right. I've been there thinking right. that right. a tub is a relatively it's good. Yeah, it's,
2: it's relatively.
3: Safe, you seems would think. safer seems safer but
2: this tub was plexiglass uh, and that's not that's just
3: flammable igniting that
2: mansion and it got bigger and bigger she said wow. uh until and she said she was kind of stunned like oh god like this is getting bigger and bigger and I and it went kind of crazy um when you because, see the footage of that yeah Can <laughs> like, you just see this mansion whole whole just like house. It took over. I mean, it was like, that would be incredible. And I, when I saw Behind the Music on it, I did laugh because I remember when um, T-Boz, Lisa was alive when they did the Behind the Music and I tell people to go watch it. But um, when they T-Boz and, and um, Chili were talking about it, and I remember this became a line with the job that I was at at the time. So the, I remember the line, it was a classic line. And I, heard, I remember t Boss or Chili said, they got a phone call and they went, turn on channel five, Lisa burned down a house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so
2: when I, worked at, when I first saw that many years ago, that became like a line at my job. And I worked at another studio and we and I thought I laughed so hard when I heard that. And so we took that line and whenever something big would happen in the, in the office, we go, turn on channel five, Lisa burned <laughs> down the house. And that, that became the line. Oh um, my but God, um, so, good. so Lisa was poor thing. She was fined ten thousand dollars for. I mean, people could have been killed.
3: Let's
0: just yeah, get that. and it's I really mean, it's sneakers quite were killed,
2: but you know, <laughs> sneakers. It's were a, killed, but she could have went
3: didn't. to jail. Like I know. To, like and she got off relatively lightly given she what did. happened she did she did she was but even though at the 000? same time right i mean also before this right because
2: you and i would be in jail yeah burning down well, a whole she also house was, that, was they, they,
3: be, that night before she did that they had got in a really big fight they had gotten a full totally so she had like huge like he was beating her <laughs> she was beating him right so she did they she were said fighting yeah, all that time yeah and so she had all these bruises on her face right. so poor thing i mean yeah. she had I don't think anyone is thinking rationally in in totally. all and love. You add probably In all love, we go crazy. There. Yeah, look, you've got alcohol. You've look, got you add alcohol in there. <laughs> You're a nice drunk. <laughs> <laughs> as I drink, as I sip on this skinny margarita. But when but, people yeah. are like mad, they do really crazy things. And she had a lot of and love, and, love and, and yeah, anger and i not that ex- stuff. not saying you should burn down a house, even no. though that wasn't her intention. She really, no. I mean, she had a beaten up face he had cheated on her they had a very volatile and you know she did her part too right still it's i i I mean i'm very happy she didn't go to jail oh my god i I am too i mean she got first degree
2: arson and she was sentenced to five years of probation Mm -hmm. and had to do a court-ordered rehab what they call diversion center and so she entered rehab and it's funny because we were talking about this before we started taping while in rehab she thought about Andre and she carved the words love Mm. on her arm with a, with a lady Bic razor. That just makes me want to barf. But she said she started becoming hurt that, Mm. you know, she felt like he didn't visit her like she wanted Mm -hmm. him to. And after she was released, her and Andre had a barbecue. Andre accused her. This is Lisa's, uh, Lisa's own mouth. Andre accused her of flirting with his friend Mm -hmm. And he said, she said, he said really mean things to her. And she went back and scrawled hate into over the word love. Now, the you know, she took a razor blade, did that. And the irony is that when you look at that story Mm -hmm. in The Last Days of Left Eye, Mm -hmm. you see the word hate it can still be seen over love you yeah. don't see love you don't, you don't even see, see
3: love it, like hate is strong and it, it's kind of crazy? weird is that that to, hate does not represent her no you don't think of her she's doesn't. not hateful at all and to have this she was big, just heartbroken yeah and she, that's a heart that's a heartbreak and again being young totally it's, like, it's just she i remember when i was young i was fine with breaking my stuff and now i'm like Ah, that's my stuff. You know I don't what? Want to yeah, no. You. you know
2: what? You're not like before. I'd be like this stuff. dish, and now I'm like, and now we're like, mm, uh, you know I paid what? for that. I this just... dish is worth more than you. Yeah, okay. I'd be like, I'm fine with not being
3: a spaz right yeah. now. <laughs> <But> I feel <laughs> like you despaz. Hopefully, you despazify as you get older. But
2: no, you do. You do become de-spazify. It's Like everything just gets a little yeah. like. It's kind of like Prince and <laughs> adore when he was like maybe not the car because <laughs> he was like I'll do anything you know I'll give up my car co- give up my clothes give. My, then he says, well maybe not the car so that's how you start thinking about that
3: it's um, weird because it really does happen you start really? having a sense of like mm, I'm gonna think about well, that even when you're younger better. with tattoos you're like that's a great idea and then you're like then you're like ah. crazy you look at that
2: tattoo and you see a,
1: tattoos,
2: like, a dragon with uh his tongue hanging out or some <laughs> nonsense you're like did I really need to do that
1: No, not well, on your neck seemed
2: like maybe, a good idea so. at the time sound like great idea you know, um, but, anyway. but yeah, back
3: to her. It's just it is yeah. weird. I just thought of it as we were talking about it, like to have because really, especially at the time of her death, she was really pursuing this very enlightened kind of beautiful mm-hmm. path, and to have hate on your arm, and the hate had nothing. It had to do with the relationship. Like it's just so sad. Well, what the, that can the, happen in relationship. The relationship. You know? I know how it can overtake you. So while she
2: was in rehab, they the girls, Chili t boz they all started working on Crazy, Sexy, Cool, Mm -hmm. and when she got out, um, and this is all 1994. So June 9th, 1994, they were already been working on the album. They the album Crazy, Sexy, Cool was released in November 1994.
3: Because wasn't she? But she was still had like visitation to see them. Like she could leave rehab sometimes. Could she? Yeah okay because i remember at one point she left but she could only leave to see them and she was just talking about how mm. she had never actually i thought this was really beautiful she had said that she had never noticed like she was driving to atlanta and how beautiful the sky was oh and that's how she about- came over waterfalls yeah the, um yeah but the, that was um, then though
2: right because wasn't yeah, she allowed yeah to visitation? waterfalls was on crazy sexy cool yeah yeah. Right. yeah you're right you're absolutely right because that's how she saw the rainbow and that yeah. gave her the the that almost uh, seems like that. that
3: was kind of the beginning of her much more spiritual path. I think yeah. so. I think so. It was
2: probably the worst time of her life mm-hmm. but the best time.
3: And that I mean that a
2: that lot of people her say that happens. Yeah. yeah, that set her on a path because I think I told you about it. She had a line that said, you know, every time there's a struggle there's a preparation for what is to come. Yes. You know, and Lisa said that That's- She didn't. Um, So, you know, as we all know, Crazy Sexy Cool was a Mm -hmm. mega hit. uh, And it made them one of the biggest bands in the world. Um, And they still are the biggest selling female they are so no what was they're it second females? to spice girls for world and they're oh. american yes they're the biggest selling American oh, yeah, spice girls yeah they're second yeah. to the spice girls I do but love still the spice that's girls. big oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and There's so, some more girl power there <laughs> but waterfalls yeah. was like their biggest hit it spent seven that song weeks is at so one. good
3: i still every time i, I hear it, it i just like stop and i'm like i love this what did that song mean for you ah i just there's some everything about that song i always love don't go
2: chasing waterfalls what does that
3: mean that i had a conflicted feeling about that song i do remember when it first came out and i was like the song makes me feel good but is it it about not chasing it talked about age it did no but like i was very before it's time it talked about so many things but you Mm -hmm. know when you're not really delving when you're just at first because you know i was a teenager when it first came out First, you're listening. To, I was, and everybody listens to the song differently. I like th- I like the melody and the sound, and of course, mm. you know, I like unicorns, so I like waterfalls. It just, Aww. <laughs> so, but I remember being like, I wasn't fully listening to all the That's lyrics. So it sweet. was more how I felt about it. So. Mm. And then it was later when I like looked into the, the lyrics. That's the power of music, mm-hmm. how because everybody you and some yeah, and some people listen to It resonated. You know, somewhere. we didn't. You know, in the last episode we did talk about how because I was talking about Run the Jewels because Run the Jewels make me happy. I yeah. don't know what it is. There could be so much noise everywhere and. I hear run the jewels, I'm like, ah, oh, there's just something. It's the and it's just a feeling. Too. There's yeah. just a feeling. And I feel that about and like, because I have the most eclectic taste. Like, Honest, My we, taste we is look not like run the jewels. <laughs> we
2: the black part. guy and the white dude, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Exactly the same. (laughs) We have that same effect.
3: We're resonating. We're resonating.
0: But that's what when I think
3: of when I think of um, that song. That song always made me feel good, Mm. and it was just does, and it it still still has that layers of meaning, and that exactly takes
2: away from different meanings of that song. Because it
3: took me. It was like I was. I was older when I knew what it was about. Yeah. I don't think I really... I, it was just more a song that I'd I liked. I
1: think it oddly motivated you and you didn't realize it because it did that yeah. to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't know what was
1: going on, but it was... Mm-hmm. Something about it was...
3: Yeah, because we're kind of the same age, too, right, so it makes sense. It, just, you'd, you'd hear it
1: was... Like you said, it was fun. It was... Fun. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was it was yeah. it was like, oh, but at the same time, you're like, especially if you're listening it, it to it.
2: resonated in a deeper way. And right. you don't even know yet what it resonated
1: exactly. About yeah. Especially if you're listening to your headphones, you're just doing other things. Yeah. That, that's like. The video was groundbreaking.
2: It talking was, about yeah.
3: hate. Yeah. And then it was just. It, it, video is visually different, too. Videos had gotten way better in the well, last few years. it was directed by yeah. F.
2: Gary Gray.
3: I know
2: really? Gary. I, I
1: used
3: know, to work I, for Gary. I don't I remember, it, but yeah, I remember Gary, that
2: Gary, one. yeah, I worked for Gary. Gary directed that. Um, it won multiple awards. It won multiple right. awards. You they won. were Come there for right hours. They said for like they got there like four a.m. So one thing before I say about the song that Lisa vehemently uh, opposed. Uh, as the uh, starting single on the Crazy Sexy Cool, which I actually mm. love the single, I love it. But anyway,
3: but she it did. A, it is a good song. It though. is. It's just, she, I can understand.
2: The groundbreaking video won multiple awards, and she thanked the Atlanta Fire Department for one of the awards. Actually, I was like, "Go ahead, Lisa." But anyway, okay, I so
3: own the fire I like it was just. I know. I well, you know. know what?
2: The Atlanta Fire Department deserved a shout out because mm. that was a huge fire. That could have spread. House. It was a huge <laughs> house. It was incredible. Um, so, the song Creep, which I love that song. That <sighs> song is personal because to T Boz because it was about a story about her. Um, it was about T Boz's life at that time, you know, about infidelity she was dealing with with her boyfriend. And I did read somewhere else that Dallas was creeping on Chile, because you know Chile and, and Dallas were together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Chile had a, a kid, ended up having a kid by Dallas, but
0: Dallas L. Austin, a native of Georgia, produced hits for Motown Acts, Troop, Boys to Men, and Another Bad Creation before he was recruited by LA Reed and Babyface in 1990 to work on the projects for multiple LA Face Acts such as TLC. After producing massive hits for TLC, he went on to produce hits for many artists such as Janet Jackson, Madonna, Monica and Pink.
2: You know, that song had multiple meanings for multiple members, you know what I mean? So, but Lisa heard it and was like, uh, no, you know, she vehemently just did not want that to be the lead single off the album. I she, get
3: it though, Yeah,
2: she it for threatened, totally she threatened to wear black tape over her mouth. Yeah, I love
3: that, I wish she for had. For the song's
2: <laughs> video because she disagreed you know, with the message because like we talked about safe sex, that's what mm-hmm. they were advocates yeah. of, safe sex.
3: And they were advocates of strong women mm-hmm. and I feel like yeah. that's what the issue. It's not that it wasn't a good song. Totally. It was the message of
2: the song. Totally. That's what, exactly, they were against them, she was against the message, but Lisa said I was totally 100 against creep I wasn't down with cheating on your man you know for me it's faith to, is to be it's you should be faithful trust me I fought against that single coming out you know I was like if a girl is gonna catch a man cheating this was my thing instead of telling her to cheat back why don't you tell her to just to just leave
3: but that when that's what Lisa say, said yes and when I heard her say that I was like exactly like that is far more empowering just to be like well you fucked me around so i'm gonna fuck you around then it's just this merry-go-round of mess
2: that's true so i don't
3: under- i mean i've never understood that to me that's a hot mess because you're, in, you're hot in mess. a soap opera you might as well yeah. that is that's what soap operas are built on that's right. why a young woman though even to be like no. to acknowledge
2: like, it like that because a to lot of people acknowledge it
3: like, and a lot people especially at that time in a very successful band would maybe be like you know whatever you know it's a great song we have to now in so all that she cares yeah. so much about the message and she really did care about her art and what she was saying consistently. right
2: but check this out look at it from this angle too it's a very interesting angle because if your man is cheating on you you're hurt mm-hmm. you know like the other two members had to deal dealt with all mm-hmm. of that and then Lisa dealt with it, too, but she just responded differently. It's funny how people
3: respond. Well, people are so different. I would leave. Honestly, I would leave.
2: Would I you? Not- she capitulated, and on the condition that she added a remix rap mm-hmm. about the consequences of cheating. Yeah. By the summer of 1995, <laughs> they sold over 15 million albums, which generated over $75 million in album sales for LaFace Records. And sadly the group had nothing to show for it because they were broke as a joke. Mm-hmm. Um and this is how T-Boss said it. Okay. This is this is where you can go and watch Lisa break it down to, and Left Eye really broke it down in her book, um, which I cut and pasted, which I loved. So T Boss said for each album we sold, TLC got seven points, mm-hmm. aka our royalty percentage out of a hundred. Which equates to 56 cents. I know you love the mathematics. I do. This is my favorite. Yay. Um, She said that was split between the three of them. Mm -hmm. They owed taxes. They owed a percentage to Pebble still, a percentage to Mm LaFace, a percentage to Arista, because Arista was the parent company of Mm LaFace, a payment to the accountant. A payment to the lawyer. Each member of the band owed LaFace $100,000, Pebitone $50,000 because of their contracts with both companies. So after all of these bills in both 1993, 1994, because this adds up, Mm -hmm. the girls took home only $50,000 each.
3: Uh, Which is considered, that's really not, That's, that's...
2: That is unconscionable. And I learned from Tia Boz in her book, and you can probably add to this, is that standard practice in the music industry, and this is what she had, the problem they had with Pebbles is when you have a super successful album, which should have been after the the on the the TLC tip. Yeah. And it definitely, um, you know, they should have been renegotiating the contract after a successful release. and pebbles would not renegotiate for them because they were still part of her management company and they remained on the same terms throughout the same the three successful albums. And
3: that's just insane. Because yeah. they, they had bargaining power by the second album. Totally. Like they could have easily been like, well, no, we change this or we walk." Because at the beginning, you don't really right. have that power. You're but like, they had no
2: bargaining cost- power because it was all with Pebbles and no, that agreement. Obvious,
3: uh, yes, absolutely, right. they didn't. But they technically did. I mean, really. Completely, had, like, they- to
2: go back yeah. with her and say, you know what, we can, mm-hmm. we need it. But people were interested in getting their share. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. And in five years, they said they they only received one percent of one hundred and seventy-five million dollars worth of revenue, which was a complete shame. It's
3: it's just so sad. So that they, hurts me.
2: I know they tried to talk to La Reid, and he said, "You know what? It's Clive Davis. Clive Davis was over at Arista Records." So the girls, okay, here we go. This is a good story here. Good, a good story, Rocker Babies here. So the girls decided in their head to do something about it, to talk to Clive Davis. So they flew to New York City from Atlanta, and they decided to barge into the Arista offices in New York City. Now, by the way, Lisa brought her friends from rehab who had guns. Okay, so anyway. Oh my God. So P. Diddy was happened to be in the meeting with Clive Davis. They just oh barged God. in, right? And they said, now t Boss said they politely asked P. Diddy to leave. And so P. Diddy went out and so, because they wanted to confront Clive about these contract terms, like, yo, we need something doing, What what's this? So P. Diddy took his butt outside and called L.A. Reed down in Atlanta and said, yo, 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 girls are up here bugging, mad bugging out, yo. You know, you got to do something about it, about this. But TLC confronted the girls, confronted Clive about their contract terms. While they were confronting Clive, the girls that came with them, because it was eighty eight or nine girls. So, you know, it's going to be high emotion drama and yeah. hormones flying around. They, the girls are going off, taking all the plaques off the wall. I love it. With their names on it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it taking out all the plaques with their names on it because there are guns involved here. And yes, they, they... I did not know this story.
3: <laughs> yes, I, I love it. It's in
2: T-Boz's thing. book, and I love it. So they were talking talking to Clyde, going, like, what's you know, What's up? Why are we, you know, what is going on with this contract? L.A. said, we need to talk to you. And, you know, Lisa was ringleader because she was the strong one and the mm. You know, she was the ringleader. And so he was giving him a him and a hum and a hum and a hum, and hum maybe because he was also, like, taking aback. back. By all this, he talked in circles of what they were saying. Probably because he was caught off guard, I guess. But um, and I think after this incident, they said they don't say that everybody should do this, and you should not, yeah. you know, go up with guns and try and renegotiate your contract with guns, guns and stuff like that, answer. and Nobody take plaques off it. wall. T. Boss said <laughs> that you can find those plaques on eBay to this very day, by the way, because really? they took those plaques back down to Atlanta in the hood and just tossed them outside. Oh, Isn't that cool? But you know, it's um, it's funny because after this, and Clive went to squash the uh, publicity that kind of came mm-hmm. out of this. He quickly squashed it. Um, but um, after this incident, they decided we're gonna file for bankruptcy on everybody. Yeah. And we're gonna file a lawsuit against LaFace. Um, and that lasted for over a year. And they borrowed borrowed the filing fees from um, and the fees from Andre. Andre oh, gave them the money. I think wow. it was like, you know, $15,000 a piece to pay the lawyer mm. and to really get a good lawyer. It's and, um, just, so which is nice of him to you do. It
3: got to this. Like, with that, that sad? The stress, and this is what uh, it happens more often than not, though. Oh, that's, that's
2: sad. Crazy. That's sad. I mean, they kept touring until everything was settled. Mm. But, you know, sadly, because, you know, people don't know this, but T Boz, and I know she wrote a book about this, she has. A disease, a blood disorder, a disease called sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. So you know she, the 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 stress of all this.
3: Oh yeah, and that way if you had stress, it would totally.
2: Yeah, they found out about her situation during actually the MC Hammer tour um, when they first started touring, and um, so she would have flare ups when there was a lot of stress, but. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, so, but also during this time, they started rewriting, you know, writing new music for the next album, Fan Mail, you know. But tension kind of started arising between the girls. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lisa, you know, that's why we talk about Lisa. That's why we're doing I
3: love this part. This made me happy. (laughs)
2: Lisa admitted that Dallas Austin, okay, he's the Mm -hmm. father of Chili's child. Mm -hmm. He was with Chili. They had the issues. It was a great, by the way, VH1 did a great story, which oh, I couldn't- was the best. Wasn't that the best? That's did you see that on VH1? That was a docu, uh, like a docu-series. Oh. And they cast different members. Oh. It was it was drama. It was a hot mess in oh, some parts of ways. Nice. Oh my God, it's okay. you know what? It's you won't best. be able to put it. You just, it did bonanza oh, in the ratings. Awesome, right? So did New Edition. New Edition had a docu-series earlier this year. Bonanza, anyway, but anyway, so Lisa just straight out said Dallas Austin, you know, who is their producer, and he's great, he's a powerhouse, too. You know, know. um, but he, because he also, you know, what Dallas also produced. Um, Madonna's um, "Take a Bow" album and stuff like wow. that, along with Babyface, so yeah, that was a great "Bedtime Stories." Dallas Austin is on "Bedtime Stories," along yeah. with um, Babyface. I'm talking out of the top of my head. I hope I'm right, <laughs> but I think I am. Um, but anyway, Lisa told the press that Dallas Austin was charging them millions of dollars for his producing services, mm-hmm. and they did a photo shoot interview, and she said, "I cannot stand 100% beside behind this TLC." project um and the music that is supposed to represent me and she said this will be my last interview until i can speak freely about the truth and present myself on my solo project um but she admitted to T-Boss that it wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, she argued a lot with Dallas in the studio because he critiqued everything that she came in with, her ideas. Mm-hmm. He critiqued, you know, she said that he critiqued the music that she wanted to write and produce mm-hmm. for TLC. And Lisa felt that he had too much power. Mm-hmm. You know, understandably, she felt frustrated. And her contributions to songs... Have been reduced to like periodic raps, mm-hmm. you know? And there were several people, you know, songs in which she had no vocals. Like studio session singers were brought in to sing background vocals for the group songs that she also wanted to do on songs in which she didn't rap. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that was sad when I read that. Yeah. I just think that was sad. I mean, the album came out, Fan Mail, which I love Fan Mail, too. Um, It was released on February 1999, and it sold millions of records, and it received eight Grammy nominations. Um, It won three Grammy Awards. I love No Scrubs. I love No Scrubs. It was written by, you know, it was written by Candy Barres.
3: Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yes. A Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. Wow.
2: And T.I.'s wife. Tiny or his ex-wife, Tiny, Tiny and Candy, they used to be a part of a group called Escape. They wrote that song.
3: Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, they have a,
1: a show on bravo about the escape oh uh, yes coming together. back on
2: tour yeah there's yeah. a show
1: candy is amazing i love candy's great
2: <laughs> candy wrote no scrubs with ti wow. and lisa came up with the name of the album she was great about that um as a gift to their fans because their fans really stuck by them mm. but one song on there that i love called i'm pretty i loved i'm pretty on That's fan so mails, and that came from t-boss t boz Wrote that song at a time in her life where she had gotten out of the hospital after a sickle cell uh, flare-up. And sometimes she'd be in there. She, By the way, she said that sickle cell, the flare-ups were like the stabbing of your joints from the inside. Oh,
3: that's awful.
2: Can you imagine stabbing your joints from the inside? I mean, and it also involved a rough patch in her relationship with Dalvin DeGrate. He's a member of Jodeci. I love Jodeci. And she felt pretty at that time. And so she wrote it as a poem, and Dallas helped her develop it into a song to empower women Mm. who felt physically and emotionally inadequate. And I thought, when I read that, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. And I loved I'm Pretty. I still do. It's it's
3: beautiful.
2: You know. But, of course, Lisa, you know, there's drama because that's TLC. They got drama in their middle name. It ensued during the week of the album release, which we said was February 1999, where they went to New York City to appear on on, uh, Total Request Live with Mm -hmm. um, Carson Daly.
3: Oh yeah, Carson Daly. <laughs> oh my God. T. Boss <laughs> said,
2: T. Boss said that Lisa was acting nutty thanks to her boyfriend at the time, and they his nickname was Pappy, okay, mm-hmm. and she brought Pappy to band meetings, and it just led to big tensions in the band. And I want to say this: she also said, she said that Pappy was married with kids.
3: Oh really?
2: So it kind of plays into what we were talking about, yeah. the cheating aspect. And we don't know. She doesn't know. Nobody knows. If Lisa, maybe he said we're getting a divorce. You know how it is. Yeah. Probably. People say, we're getting a divorce. We're not together. She found out because Pappy's wife called her. Um... And then she was like, oh, Pappy's married? But the, Pappy got on their nerves anyway. Mm-hmm. Pappy was getting on their nerves. So T-Boz and Lisa got into a big argument. And basically, it culminated to where Lisa didn't um, go on uh, TRL. And Chili mm-hmm. and T-Boz went on TRL. It was just a hot mess. And that I that re- the
3: episode that was really weird?
2: Yes, and that, you know mm-hmm. what? In last days they talked yeah. about it because Lisa uh Chili says, Oh, let's just say it was Emma Dine Emma Emodian, <laughs> Emma Dine A yeah. D. You know what I yeah, mean? She was best- <laughs> saying, I know, right, but they were laughing. She said she responded by laughing. And so, you know, they they started admitting, the band started, you know, Chili and T Boss started admitting to in, in interviews that there was drama going on, mm-hmm. that Lisa wasn't sick. Um and why she didn't show up. And Lisa responded with challenging her bandmates to like all record solo albums and see which one performed the best. And it's interesting, two things, two things about that. Um, Lisa's sister, um, Raindrop, said many years later that the challenge was for the three albums was to get out of the contract early. Lisa Mm -hmm. thought maybe we can get out of our contract early. Mm -hmm. That's one of, you know, one of the things that Raindrop said. Well,
3: then it would make sense, too, to want to do three albums. Yeah, if you guys do three albums, yeah. That's a great way to do it and kind of trick the system.
2: Totally. And then T-Boz revealed in her book that Lisa was understandably frustrated that certain producers and label heads wouldn't give her credit for her ideas Mm -hmm. and her contributions to the album or whatever it was. And T-Boz said it started happening to her years later. So she said she wasn't selfish and... um,
3: Well, you should get credit, though. The thing is, it's not being selfish because you want to get credit for something you did. Yeah, like how does that
2: work with producers? You go to a producer, Michelle, you went to a producer. Yeah. Can I do this? And they say, no.
3: Well... Yeah. Well what do you mean, can I do this? And they say, Like can't like, do
2: do you think you can um understand that point of view of having a great idea and getting it killed by a producer or a record yeah, company? Absolutely,
3: because you can become a product of your producer. How does that work? And
2: How does a producer give so much credit
3: for a well, there? I, I mean, I there. think it happens on all different levels, but Is it you
2: subconscious know, or is it conscious?
3: I think it's a little column A and column B. Like I do think it's you you want to trust, you believe that you have, you want to trust that somebody has the best interest of you as an artist and your album. And you, it is nice to be able to trust someone and be another part of your vision. But then sometimes you can be a product of what they think you should be. And I and I think, and I've heard that from, I mean, I can speak for myself and I can speak for a lot of artists. I mean, I it, it can happen. That's why I think a lot of people do self-produce and a lot of people have become they started to be more involved because I don't always think artists were, you know, Sam Cooke defied that because he was very involved early on. But and Elliot. Now, well, yeah, a lot of artists now, though, are much more involved in the whole process mm. that didn't necessarily exist all the time. So mm. I, can, I can see and that. And it must happen. have been
2: hard during that time because it's the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's before the whole internet boom happened where people were on YouTube. Yeah. You know, YouTube and came weird across. And the
3: like now you hear their story and you're kind of like, it's too bad no one told them how much power they really had. Because they did. They actually even with other people telling them they didn't know. But have how power, can you
2: tell a producer a powerful producer like Dallas Austin or no, no, no. we we'll just exactly. use him as an example? Um, because
3: they at that point, I mean again, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say this, but it's probably not but they They had power, many of the, but they didn't see that they had power because they could have easily, even if the renegotiation She
2: argued like no other, yeah.
3: She could have walked away and they probably want her back. I mean,
2: totally, because she was a pivotal. It's easy to say,
3: who knows what's going to happen. Right. But they actually, I think, and this has happened to many, many big artists, that they probably had more power than they thought they had because Mm. they were the selling Mm -hmm. commodity, especially at that level. You know, it's not like they were just some unnamed band they were part of a movement too Mm. like they were they were a big thing at that time Mm -hmm. they had too many people around them that were um trying to make a
1: buck off of them Mm. they had no one who truly were in their corner yes and they would have had someone who was truly Mm. in their Mm -hmm. in their corner they probably could have done more. I, exactly. I kind of, I kind of
2: and like, I think they needed a, like a lawyer in their corner, like a yeah,
1: powerful... A powerful lawyer um, who would have said, you're being screwed everywhere, which yeah. Lisa but picked and Let's up not on.
2: forget, though, but Clive Davis... And Lisa picked up
1: on all that crap.
2: Lisa picked up on it early. But what was so powerful, and I would love to interview Clive Davis. I, 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 want, I would love to interview Clive Davis for a few reasons. Him, Barry Gordy, one of these... Powerful record company executives and L.A. LA Reid, who, but they, I don't know if they have as much power for you think you they do because at that time L. A. Reid, Clyde Davis was the end all and be all. He was
1: the he was it. He was he was it. I mean, he would totally ruin your
2: life. Yeah, he he would ruin your life. He was, and you know how record companies act when they when you act out. It seems like they would go into blackball mode. Yeah, look at—I mean, I'm going yeah. way before but that. But at
1: that time, that's when they had the power. But
2: they that's definitely had saying. the power. It wasn't their now first record. They're... It
3: was the third record, so that's why. Totally. Though, that's, that's where Pebbles people, comes into they, they, play. That has yeah, has to do with the Reno And I can the see them yeah.
1: saying, "Okay, we don't have the power that we." Maybe they thought, "Okay, we have all these people—75 million dollars. Yeah. Was it 75 million records? Yeah. Okay, they're like, we got 75 million fans.
3: Yeah,
1: but we have no power." And you have Clive Davis, one man,
3: yeah,
1: who has seemed to be the gods and of Clive all the Clive
3: Davis, I and I want to say this, but if
1: they would have had the totally. lawyer,
2: <laughs> and I want to say this with 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 also coming from the movie industry, that sometimes the publicity that they can generate to destroy you mm. is like no other. Wow, you know, so. Um, that is
3: so disturbing. Yes. I think that to
2: destroy so you. Much. Because even even if we think about her now, she was a crazy one. She was a diss.
3: That was She a diss. That.
2: You know, perception. that's some branding. That's yeah. some branding that was by design, I yeah. think, somewhat. But anyway, Lisa decided to be dramatic. She skipped out on a press conference that TLC has scheduled in Las Vegas at the end of August. And newspapers reported that people around her were worried. Which they were. They mm-hmm. didn't know what. She didn't show up to a family function, so people were like, "Oh my gosh, she's missing!" And they were really worried about her. But that little rascal was that little chick was having fun with a hot model named Sean. He was hot. He, he was gone. <laughs> um, she knew that the media and family were looking, and her family were looking for her. T-Boss got a hold of her. She sent her a pager and told uh, her to stop it, okay. cut it out. I know, sent her a page. Isn't that funny? Told her to stop it. She said, because there are people who are really missing their family members. Mm -hmm. So you need to stop it. And she was like, whatever. But she came out of hiding and the, the paparazzi, they've all found her. And so... You know, the wonderful thing, though, from late 1999 to early 2000, they headlong, headlined their first tour to promote Fan Mail. Mm. And it was their first headlining tour. They had toured with MC Hammer, Bobby Brown, many other places. And the funny thing is Destiny's Child was their opening act. Oh, wow. For yeah. the first leg of the tour. And Christina Aguilera was the opening act for the second leg God, of the that's tour. so crazy. Isn't that amazing? time. So, you know, after the tour, she began recording her debut solo, solo album called Supernova, but it was renamed something else. She, uh, I think it was Fantasy Something, and she told MTV that one of the tracks, A New Star Is Born, which is dedicated to her dad, um, and she, this is in Lisa's words. She said, that track is dedicated to all of those who have loved ones that have passed away is saying that there's no such thing as death. We can call it transforming for lack of better words, but as scientists would later say, every atom that was once a star is now in you. Mm -hmm. It's in your body. So in the song, I pretty much go along with that, um, with that idea. I don't care what happens or what people think about death. It doesn't matter. We all share the same space. Mm -hmm. Isn't that beautiful?
3: And she also Mm. talked about how um, she didn't believe in death, that death didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You were never ending.
2: Yes. It only transforms. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be incredible towards the end when dealing with the brother. But anyway, so her solo album kind of displayed a more evolved and true side to Lisa. Mm -hmm. I mean, her lyrical lyrical content displayed a more thoughtful and vulnerable artist and i read this in an interview that she did with i think it was honey magazine the guy has all of the interviews that he did with lisa on his website i forgot his name but he's great and lisa said i fell in there was a duet on her album with tupac and she said i fell in love with tupac instantly on site She was taken by his conversations and music and charisma, like everybody else, because he was a genius. And he was drawn to Lisa's creativity and her piano playing chops. Um, And surprisingly, though, the relationship was never consummated. And Lisa said, that's the first thing he told me. Never let me have sex with you because I'm going to look at you differently. And she said, I never wanted him to look at me any differently than he did. And she said, Tupac always told her to stay 100% one hundred percent real.
3: Wow. And she did.
2: She did. And the album was released on August fourteenth, two thousand and one. It was um it was only released in Europe and Japan. Arista never released it in the US. Um yeah, it didn't was, gain traction.
3: they didn't give it a chance in the US.
2: I know maybe it we'll put it on our playlist.
3: We should put it on our We're playlist. gonna
2: put it on our playlist. We're gonna playlist? put Yeah a couple like, of songs on the playlist. By the way, we have a playlist that corresponds with all of these artists on our on our um, Rockabash com. Yeah, we'll talk about it at the beginning. We'll do another, another round. But um, the, another thing is that TLC performed for the last time on August 1st, 2001 at the MTV 20th Anniversary Special at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And when I looked at pictures of the event, I saw Aaliyah there with her brother. And oh, she wow. died on August 25th, 2001. Oh, that's so 24 days later. That's nuts. Um, but, you know, the ironic thing is since the late 1990s, like 99, 98 maybe, Lisa had been going to a, like a holistic healing center in um, Honduras called Sambo Creek uh, to work with a guy named Dr. Sebi, which he was an herbalist. Um and the herbalist center really healed her of her physical and spiritual well-being. Like it really healed her. She found a lot of peace there,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and she always stayed in like an electricity-free cabana, number eleven, by the way. You can see it actually on the last days of yeah, and left she eye. Was
3: all about numbers. Yes,
2: she was. She she embraced numerology all about and astrology. And numerology. You know, she loved that. I do, too. I love that. I think I it means something.
3: Well, it does. I mean... She's born mm-hmm. on my
2: grandma's birthday.
3: Yeah. No, I, I find her... Like, once... Especially getting into her spirituality...
2: She was a nine. I
3: felt like... It's like numerology and all the stuff she was into. I was like, she wasn't crazy. I do all this stuff, too. Exactly. <laughs> you and
2: Miss Willie. Your mom, too. Maybe you're yeah. crazy.
3: I don't know. But yeah. I, I loved... it like like she was really on a path at that time because and she was so heartbroken too by that record not yeah. being released and
2: yeah so she always went back there to replenish mm-hmm. her soul you know um it's funny like i said she gave a tour of the room in lot, the last days documentary and the one thing that she loved about being there is that the people and didn't know or care who she was and they and she loved it and during this time from the night, late 1990s through throughout, she gave up alcohol, except for like an occasional glass of wine. She stopped eating meat like you, mm-hmm. Michelle, right? She gave up dairy, sugar, and processed food. And she really embraced astrology and numerology. But she she really was a spiritual girl. She was a spiritual baby. Um, and between late 2001 and early 2002, she purchased... 80 acres of land adjacent Mm -hmm. to Dr. Sebi's um, land in Sambo Creek. And she not only intended to live there, she also planned to build a children's nature and craft center. I love that. Um, You know, she convinced her her uncle Anthony to move to Sambo Creek to protect her property and get the construction plans going. Mm -hmm. And I should say that, you know she didn't want to give up being in the band Mm -hmm. she did they were still they had started thinking about the 3d album so they were already thinking about the next album just so Mm -hmm. people know so she didn't want to give up the band um in late march 2002 t-bods was in the hospital again for a sickle cell flare-up and t-bods really i want to say you know that TBOs, it's a debilitating disease, sickle cell anemia. Um, She survived a lot. People don't know this, and they'll read this in her book, a sick, a sick life. TLC, TLC, and me, is that she wasn't supposed to live past the age of thirty. Wow. She had a brain tumor only a few years ago.
3: What? And oh, they she were. Know?
2: She's in her forties.
3: Wow.
2: I mean, she wasn't supposed to have a kid. She had a kid. She, you know. That T-boss is amazing, but it's a great read. But, you know, Lisa, during this time, because of all the little drama that had happened, you know, in 2001, I talked about not showing up for the press conferences and all that. They started back talking, but Lisa really sent T-boss really sweet notes and plants and letters while she was in the hospital Mm -hmm. going through her ordeal. And the wonderful thing is... T-Boss said that she sent her something every day, like a letter and a plant. And on the fourth day, she didn't hear from her. She thought, that's kind of odd. And then she said she hears her name, Tian, in the hospital. And it was Lisa visiting her right before she was heading to Honduras. Um, And they talked and caught up. And, you know, like I said, they had started recording their album 3D, you know, for previous few months. Um, I think they had met in L.A. right before then. Um, So Lisa went back to Honduras in April, like late, late, late March, early March, for a few reasons. She wanted to share her favorite place with her family because her brother and sister went with her and her cousins too. Also a band called Egypt that she had discovered and she was mentoring. Um, She also flew two producers there to start working on like a documentary about the people there. Yeah, film producers. Yeah, film producers. I mean, crazy. Um, uh, And there, because she wanted to talk about the Garifuna I think I'm saying it right. People in their culture, and the Garifunas are like Afro Caribbean people that live there. She wanted to do like a, a documentary on them. But within the first week of her being there on um, April 6, 2002, a tragedy happened. Um, oh. While she was a passenger in the car, her personal assistant, Stephanie, accidentally hit a 10 year old boy. It was dark stephanie stopped because she saw people you know crossing and they crossed the road safely and um the little guy this little 10 year old lagged behind and when he stepped off the curb he was accidentally hit oh so sad and they rushed him to the hospital and you see this in the documentary too you don't see the little kid thank god but you know they rushed him to the hospital he died,
3: yeah. And she talks about it even before. She
2: do, and she paid for the, but you see the casket. Remember they're making oh. the casket? Um, he so, died.
3: really tragic.
2: She paid for all the hospital and funeral expenses, mm-hmm. but it deeply affected her. Mm-hmm. And we're going into this, and this is where you and I are going to talk about this. We talked about the casket, makers creating casket. She's, after this little kid, you see her with the little shoes and the little boy, but she believed that a spirit haunting her killed the kid by mistake mm-hmm. because she and the little kid had the same last name. His name Pre- was Bayron.
3: Yeah, Bayron Lopez. And mm-hmm. previously, she had been having dreams.
2: She started having deep dreams right after that because she was only in
3: before that she was having dreams about
2: maybe I know that she up
3: to that
2: she got there and within a week that happened Mm -hmm. right within a week of her coming into Honduras. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know,
3: (sighs) and all this happened also in in the time that she was filming this documentary. Isn't that that crazy? crazy. She was there for 30 days, and this all happened within those days.
2: Yeah, because there's one dream that you probably saw, too. She couldn't remember all the details about the sun. Mm -hmm. And she said, basically, and this was probably after the little guy died. She said, I had this nightmare. It was a dream. Um, And she said, "Um, it's basically the end. Mm -hmm. That's what she said, and I thought... Ooh, re- weird. I mean, a couple of weeks later, on April twenty fifth, she was four days before she was due to come back to LA or wherever to start back working on a yeah. few things. The um, the uh, she was due to come back and start keep working on three D album mm-hmm. with TLC and working on a solo project with Suge Knight because she had signed with Death Row. Mm-hmm. To do an album called Nina, um, which her little nickname, but it had also meant non identifiable, um, not applicable, something like that. Something like that, not a non identifiable, not applicable. Too, like she I mean. was extremely excited, um, but a couple of weeks later, on April 25th. She rented a car to drive her and six of her family and friends. Her brother and sister were there. Sadly enough, people can go. I'm sorry, I hit the thing because I got excited. A, people can go. <laughs> I scared you. Him?
3: No, I was hoping you were okay. Must, look, look,
2: Scott even got excited.
3: Oh, Scott even he, he, is is the Scott. he woke up cat. finally.
2: Look at the little eyes are barely open, but um,
3: well, he always shows up near the deaths of the artist. I he know. Isn't good. that
2: weird? He did that the last time. I know.
3: You're a morbid little He did that the last guy. time.
2: So a couple of weeks later, she ran a car to drive her and six of her family friends to another village. Mm-hmm. Lisa was driving when she swerved and lost control of the car. There's um, Some people say she was trying to swerve against another car mm-hmm. coming because it was a two lane highway and she was trying to swerve against another car. I don't know, but the car flipped over several times before it rested upside down in a ravine along the road. She died on impact. Everybody else lived. And she was wearing a seatbelt. She was wearing a seatbelt. Exactly. She died before t Boss's birthday.
0: But
3: also, to say what happened before that, before her death, right before her death. Yes. Go for it. It's just... It's so insane that she, I just all of this, that there's...
2: These premonitions. Do the you premonition. think that this is self-prophecy? I was talking to this about a friend. He said, yeah. this sounds self-prophetic. A spirit haunting me. Okay. You know, and they said it in the documentary. She felt a spirit was haunting her.
3: Yes, so I have very, I mean, I'm conflicted on this one. But just to say what happened, which many of TLC fans will definitely know this. But for the people that don't know, it is creepy like even go look it at is creepy YouTube. so because she was doing a documentary the last uh the last month of her life in honduras and she they're driving along there's a video camera because everything was videotaped because of this documentary and it's i mean it gives me chills even saying it she looks over at the camera well yes i flying. showed
2: it to you and your yeah, mom and we
3: just freaked out and she looks directly in the camera and just calmly looks back at the road And they go into an accident and it's within seconds they're in an accident and so about that question if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy i don't know because who's to say like how do any of us have the answers i don't know what her dreams were telling her i don't know and i mean i do believe in i believe in creation and destiny so there Mm. could be a little bit of both you know and it's hard for us i agree with you
2: it could be a little bit of both because The way she looked at the camera, it was almost like there was a knowing.
3: Look at a change is gonna come. But (laughs) what's crazy about that, because right before he had recorded that, sang it once, and he says- And he
2: played it for Bobby Womack, and Bobby Womack said, that sounds like death.
3: And I'm afraid to die because I don't know what's beyond the great big sky. Seriously, all of them, it's like, so that's why I, I don't know if it's a self fulfilling prophecy because sometimes I think maybe there is a knowing, just maybe, and we don't yeah. know yet because hopefully we're not near the end. I would hope. I'm not ready. I'm not near tonight. the end. I got a lot of I, stuff I don't to do. I'm not near the end either.
2: Uh, no. but, um, but, but you're I, right. It's very
3: interesting and it's very tragic, but at the same time, she had a beautiful. Um, perspective at the time she did die. It's and like maybe she because did, she
2: was um, troubled by that one dream about the sun. She
3: was troubled, but then she also did say that she didn't believe in death and that she had done- <sighs> hold, that, hold
2: that, hold okay. that, hold that thought. That's good. Wait a minute, yo, 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 wait a minute. See, you're right. You're going into something that is incredible because we talked about that. It was the day before t Boss's birthday, mm-hmm. whatever. Her brother, when they had the accident, when the accident happened, her brother, while waiting for the ambulance to arrive at the scene of the accident, said that he kept hearing Lisa's voice in his head say, energy doesn't die, it trans." Forms and ironically, oh. you hear that in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But the brother said he kept hearing, he said his sister was comforting him. Oh. He felt oh. like from the other side.
3: Oh. I have heard that though, not about that story, but how often because you get to the other side and you're like, it's us that's having a problem with it.
2: There, yeah, she was on that. I mean, he's when he said that, I think he said it at the funeral. Um, I was like, when I read that, and when I knew he said that at the funeral or whatever, I was blown away because I was like, because she does say that energy doesn't die. It transforms. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it just, yeah, it, it brought tears to my eyes because she's right. Mm -hmm. She's right. Wherever she is. I was very
3: affected by her story. Like, I was and I too. Think
2: I think I'm the most great. affected. I mean, Sam Cook was incredible, and I he was like our first. Weird. He was he our was, cherry. He was like broke our cherry. It's kind of weird
3: because I sort of feel the same way, like. I definitely, like you said, I remember in our first episode, you had said whether or not you're fans of these artists, you'll become fans because you get to know them. Mm. And so, because we're going to talk about a broad spectrum. Yes. And some of us will will know more than others. And I mean, I know certain artists more than others, obviously. Totally. Me and, too. You know, I always loved TLC, but I didn't know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I knew a lot. I was very connected to Sam Cooke. And um, what I felt... Listening to her story, it deeply affected me.
2: Me too. And I was
3: like, it was disturbing and amazing and incredible all at once. Like, and just for someone to have that impact in such a short—just like everybody, they all have these short lives. I know. Lives.
2: But I know. I. It's heartbreaking because I wonder where Lisa would have went if she had um, lived. Through this moment, Um, I know like you, I'm torn, probably more so torn about the um, self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. and the fact that she felt heavily about a spirit following her. And I read somewhere and I didn't put it in our notes, but and I hope I get it right, that she said that's why she needs a hug to keep her spirit inside of her. Something like that. It was like, I was like, where did that freaking come from, Lisa? I mean, Lisa was, I mean, you know, and when she died, I remember the day she died. She died nine months, probably about nine or eight months after Aaliyah. Mm. She died in April. Aaliyah died that previous um, August 25th. Mm. And then she died. Wow. Wait a minute. She died April
3: 25th. Whoa.
2: Wait a minute, let me look at my notes again.
3: Yeah, it's, it's April 25th.
2: And and Aaliyah died August 25th, wow. ooh, 2001. Oh, wow. And Lisa died 2002, April 25th. Wow. And um, yeah, Aaliyah affected me too. We we'll probably go into that at some point. But, um, you know, when she died, it's like people were sad. I mean, the, the members, the remaining members talk about how devastated they were. And, you know, close to 10,000 fans or probably more went yeah. to the church where her funeral took take place. And Lisa's casket t- contained her lyrics from waterfalls, you know, engraved into it. You know, it was beautiful. She was buried in Atlanta um, or in, a, in Georgia somewhere. They flew her body back from Honduras. Uh, now, in her book, T. is is funny, slightly. T. Bos wrote that Lisa, I don't know if this is true, but T. Bos wrote this that Lisa had been dating Suge Knight, maybe off mm-hmm. and on. I think T. Bos, you know, she, Lisa was just finding herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about Suge Knight, Lord have mercy. But she said um, because she's, I think she because she was working on a solo mm-hmm. project. But she said he fell asleep halfway through the funeral and was snoring. What? (laughs) I Uh, did laugh about that. I had to laugh. Um, But the one thing T-Boss did say and both members say about her is that she had the biggest hearts of anybody they ever knew you know she did charity work with kids and the lupus disease you know that people don't even know about i love those type of celebrities when i hear that they do work that we don't hear about about. i love that and that lisa was big on that she adopted a little girl i don't know if i say the word adopted because Mm -hmm. her family says things differently she was more like a benefactor Mm -hmm. for this little girl named snow um, she
3: was very, she really did. She
2: cared about she cared. people. Like
3: even what she did in Honduras, what she did.
2: Like oh, totally. She did totally. so many wonderful things. Yeah. things with Dr. Sebi in Honduras. Um, that was her mission. I think she would have been an incredible, um, she was, so, you know what? She, I this is kind of sounding big time, but she was kind of like a princess Diana of, of hip hop because she found her calling and her voice. Yeah. And she really didn't care about what other people thought.
3: No, and that was that takes a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. And and she did leave such a mark. And
2: She did. I mean, look, we're talking, we're talking about, about her. And we love her. I mean, what do you think the theme of all this cuz we we always end with like a theme of their it's life. So I mean, police- she's beyond authenticity, I think.
3: Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. I'm like, well, quite often we go to, back to a similar theme because mm-hmm. they basically have this be you and own yourself, I think. She kind of, she really did it 100% like she real owned herself, too. Like, whatever stage she was at, she, she owned it. And I mean, I really. I do really respect her for being able to go even on that spiritual journey, no matter what anybody else said. And, you know, I'm sure, yeah, everybody does questionable things in their life. She did some questionable things, but, you know, and all of us have to remember this was all pre 30. I think you're not even an adult until 30.
2: (laughs) I know she died at 30. She died at 30. Can you imagine? I mean, here's, I mean, my take on Lisa is that, um. Gosh, I mean, it's um. It's so many thoughts that came into my mind. To me, she's heart. She, she's heartbreaking to me.
3: Yeah, she is. Because
2: and I don't think she fully reached her creative potential. Yeah.
3: Then that that is she actually true. She did not true. reach
2: that creative potential.
3: But in one really weird way, especially from someone that had a different, because I didn't know a ton about her real story. I knew the story that people had told me. I knew the other story. Probably what right. like you were saying, like, the recollectional The crazy story. Think, wild yeah. child. I feel like to say to her, like, it was a privilege to get to know you. Like, it was... Oh... I yeah. watched it and I felt like I felt like emotional sometimes. I know. Oh, and she just looks so young because she really angelic. tried. And especially at the end, I'm just like, you look so there was almost a thing too which is weird and mm. which maybe mm. could have been foreshadowing mm. to it being near the end. She did look more at peace right before yes, she
2: died. Because she has stopped all that yeah. you know, all those things that those the impediments. Mm-hmm that were in her way, I feel like she was on the cusp. That's what's heartbreaking about Lisa, is Lisa was on the cusp because you find artists who go through um, as much trouble as Lisa has been Mm -hmm. through and they still make it to the other side and they're able to bring people up. Mm -hmm. But I also with Lisa feel like she didn't creatively meet her mark. I know that people out there who are about God and all that would say she did. She met and her see, that's she did. I
3: feel. She, I feel she did.
2: She fulfilled her path and then went up to the other side to fulfill mm-hmm. her path. But I I don't know. I gotta disagree at a point because I feel like I think that she would have um been able to and I, that's probably why the remaining members mm-hmm. they're still around wow. they're still doing things but i really feel like i just wish that she would have went pushed through mm-hmm. to the other side but if and that did, the spirit would have let her live that's the life final destination
3: maybe if on the flip side because again these we're starting to talk about mysticism and stuff we let's don't do know it. Anything. Hey, do okay. it Got another 10 hours? I'll talk about this stuff. Do it. <laughs> but, do no, it. but I just was thinking, because who knows? I agree with what you're saying, because of course you want to see someone live a full life and and do everything they're meant to do. But who knows? If, had her life been longer, what if she had not accomplished what she did in that short time? Because that was filling, fulfilling the exact destiny that was supposed to be her life this time because she accomplished an extreme amount that many people will never dream of accomplishing yeah. so what if i agree with you it'd be amazing to see her life play out and have done everything that she dreamed of doing but just what if that finite time that pre-de- predestined time was exactly the play that had to play out and that's why she accomplished because there is a big thing with all the artists we talk about they have very very early success and they have very these astronomical things happen in a short condensed period of time
2: can you be completely finished i
3: think what's great about this and we can go on forever and ever is this is one thing every living living human right now there's people can tell you and hypothesize on their theories none of us know. This is the great unknown. None of us know. So that's right. It's beautiful. I mean, right. that's not necessarily right. What our show is about, but why not? I, I love this stuff, but none of us can know. And Share. I think what was beautiful about Lisa and Lisa's story is that whatever was supposed to be or not supposed to be or continue or not continue, I do feel sh- she left a beautiful mark i feel she mm-hmm. inspired teenagers she spoke to women she spoke about being she was strong she was she was spiritual she was vulnerable she was flawed she was in love she did a lot of i think in that 30 years she packed in a lot that i don't think many of us have in would uncompromising be a good? uncompromising would a be perfect she,
2: she was completely Uncompromising. That was her, um, and
3: to have to me, that was a theme of
2: her life. Um, was to be. I'm looking at my notes, but that's what she was considered. She was complicated, and I think it's okay to be complicated.
3: Yeah, complicated is great. I think it's interesting.
2: Okay to be complicated, to be uncompromising. But she, to me, spoke. In volumes. I mean, you know, she's right though, because when she says no one ever really dies, she's right. And she always said, if you can like picture it, then it's a possibility. And I guess for us to be sitting here talking about Mm -hmm. Lisa, um, because I mean, like she was something, somebody that we talked about. 15 years later. Yeah, God, it's been that long. It's
3: been 15 years, it's nuts.
2: And for us to even be talking about Lisa Lopez 15 years later.
3: With relevance.
2: With relevance. Um, You know, it's so funny because Left Eye has been in the um, news lately. Mm -hmm. She was interviewed by uh, Larry King, I think. And um, I think there's a little beef going on, like Rihanna's mad at her right now. But she talked about how they kept their clothes on and they still, you know, went out, sold records and did all that fun stuff. And And at the
3: beginning, they kept a lot of clothes on.
2: They kept all their clothes on.
0: (laughs) They were incredible.
2: (laughs) I mean, you know, and I think with, with Lisa, maybe it's what she said. That she doesn't believe in death, which is why we're talking about her. Yeah. And she believes in transformation, mm-hmm. which is why. And none
3: of us know the great unknown.
2: And we don't, so until you get there. It.
3: Until we get there, we'll be like, you're all wrong.
2: <laughs> I know. Lisa, damn it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, she, her dream was to keep going and not go backwards. And look, we're talking about her yeah, 15 and you're years still later. Moving forward you know, time. we're still moving forward, Lisa. And she and was about you. change. She transformed herself. Mm-hmm. and to the next level but, um, thank but anyway
3: you. thank you lisa thank you so much lisa and thank you
1: tammy Tammy for being thank here thank you for inviting me and let me just spew out whatever i was spewing out uh, in my tammy you can come over anytime, anytime right we got more to come it's yeah, so tammy much fun just yeah talking. we have more to come even the pre-talking was so much fun i i i love it I, melissa thank you for you're welcome because you it was just me. really so much fun i appreciate yeah. it and that's why I
2: love this show. I don't, I I just, I love Michelle. I love Gabby, who's not here. I love Tammy. I love all of our Babies, And we're going to have a playlist for Miss Lisa Lopez with her time with the band on Spotify mm-hmm. on our website.
3: Yeah, at rockabiespodcast.com. Yes. So please go to the website listen on itunes if you're not already listening on itunes go to uh youtube please 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 if you like us subscribe, subscribe. yes subscribe. yes
2: because subscribe. we thank you michelle
0: thank you okay everybody mm-hmm. rock for behind the scenes looks or more information or just to be part of the conversation please join us at www.rockabiespodcast.com oh.